You're listening to Always Player One, a solo board gaming podcast. Hello and welcome to Always Player One. I'm Scruffy. And I'm Norm. And today, we're not going to be talking about a game. We're going to be talking about several games. A whole host of games. A lot of games. Mm-hmm. And the reason we're doing this is because I said in the last episode that we're returning to the two-week format, a two-week release schedule. If you listen to us for a long time, you know that the reason we took a break from this was because I was struggling, struggling a little bit with my mental health. So to ease me back into the two-week format, every off episode, so this one and episode 33, will be what we're kind of calling bonus episodes. Episodes that aren't about a specific game, but are about an interesting topic that we want to talk about we wouldn't normally get a chance to. And today we've got a very interesting topic, and uh, I'll let you introduce that, Scruffy. What's, uh, what's the elevator pitch for today's episode? So today's episode, we're talking about games that me and Norm like to play together. Not a solo experience this episode, but games that we like to play multiplayer and specifically ones that we see as quintessentially Norman Scruffy games. So this will be a really great place to get some hot tips for suggestions for games to try out with your friends or your partners or your partner, depending on. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, it'll be, it'll be a, a good laugh. Yeah, it absolutely will be a good laugh. This is just a little bit behind the scenes. What does Scruffy and Norm like to play when they get together? Because before we were podcast hosts, we were best friends. And we still are. Of course we still are, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we've been playing games together for a very, very long time. And, um, yeah, what do we play when we're not playing solo? What do we play when we actually meet up together? What does a a day with Norman Scruffy together look like? Yeah, it's going to be fun. There's, uh, I would imagine, going to be a lot of crossover. We may listen independently, but I'd like to think there'll be a lot of crossover. (laughs) Yeah, there should be. But, yeah, let's, uh, should we dive straight into it? Let's take a trip down memory lane together, shall we? And talk about all the games we played when we were allowed to. <laughs> so we had to go solo. Yeah, indeed. Scruffy, kick us off. What, what, what have you? What's the first kind of game when, when I said when I pitched this idea to you and said, "Let's talk about games that we played together." What was the first one that came into your mind? That's really that's a really nice way to start. I have a whole list of, of games here, and I was like, I don't know which one I'm going to talk about first. But answering that question, and I don't know why, the game that comes to mind for me is Castles of Burgundy. That is what exactly what I said. Weird. Castles of Burgundy is the quintessential <laughs> Norman Scruffy game. How funny! I yeah. wonder why that is. Why? Why do you think it is that we uh, that we both kind of pick that one as our as our go to? Norman's Scruffy game. Just uh, we should also probably give people a, a quick overview of what Castles and Burgundy is, just in case you haven't heard of Castles and Burgundy before. But I'd like I'd love to hear your answer to that first. Yeah, well, I've only played this game with yourself, except for on two occasions. I also taught it to my mum, who enjoyed the game, and I also taught it to another friend in our gaming group, who was kind of a so-so on it. Basically, the only time I can get this to the table is with yourself, Scruffy. I don't mm-hmm. know other people in our gaming group who are super into it. And as well as that, 
it's an excellent, excellent two-player game. It really yeah. shines at two-player. And we can talk about the specifics in a moment, but I think we should probably do the small overview first. But on top of how well it shines, I think it's also at its most digestible at two. It's heavy enough or meat it's got enough meat on the bone to be that kind of you know main event game but also it only takes an hour so sometimes when we finish a gaming session and i go oh right probably only got you know an hour or so until until i have to go home what should we play well We've got castles of Burgundy. <laughs> yeah, have a quick, quick castles and Burgundy. Why not? Or yeah. if uh, if we meet up and we're both feeling quite low energy, or we just want to chat and chill out, I feel like castles and Burgundy is easy. Kind of, let's just play a quick castles of Burgundy, and, and and you know we can we can keep quite social. You know, it doesn't interrupt our socialness as much as some games do. If that makes sense. Yeah. But what's uh, what is castles of Burgundy you know, for our listeners who haven't heard of it? Castles of Burgundy is a game designed by Stefan Feld. It is a Euro. It is a tile placement game. Mm-hmm. And it's a game where you have your own player board. Um, and the game has various player boards that you can play from and with, with different different sort of maps on them. And you're trying to fill in your map with tiles from the main board. So the main board has tiles from six different areas. And what you do is you roll two dice and you then spend your dice on actions. There are four actions you can take in the game. That's pretty much it. Um, but the, the variability and the, the sort of intrigue in the game comes from the sort of random generation of where the tiles are going to be on the main board, what dice you're going to roll, and what you can opportunistically take for your own board, and mm-hmm. sometimes more importantly, what you can opportunistically hate draft from <laughs> your opponent as well. Yes, for sure. And uh, each of the tiles that you put down has a different effect, completing kind of Areas of the board, districts, gives you a whole heap of points and more if you complete them earlier in the game as well, which is an interesting that's an interesting early late game sort of push-pull divide in Castles of Burgundy. It's a quintessential point salad, isn't it? It's, yeah, very, very much a point salad. It's a, a great example of input randomness where your actions are determined by a dice roll at the start of the turn. What you can do is determined by those dice and you can manipulate that with certain mechanics in the game. But yeah, it's uh, it's like Norm says, plays in an hour. It's really fun. It's got a nice sort of middle board where you're both sort of picking from this buffet and like Norm says, hate drafting, passive-aggressive Euro blocking and stuff, uh, as well as trying to maximize your own little playmat. What I really like, I think the game is very smart. No matter how you set yourself up, there are always things you can do with your dice. Yeah. No matter how you set yourself up. Even if like the worst scenario you can be in in castles of burgundy is if the dice have rolled in a way where none of what you planned can be done that's the worst case scenario but even in that scenario you can trade them in for workers and workers allow you to mitigate future roles so you're more likely to be able to steal the best positions in the following turn yeah like if you cash in your dice for workers that means okay, I didn't have a good turn, but next turn, I'm almost definitely going to be able to do what I want to do. And maybe not even, because you sort of make contingency plans for yourself, don't you? You kind of think, this is like the top tier move that I want to do. If I can't do that, then I'll probably do this. If I can't do that, then I'll do this. And getting workers means that you're more likely to be able to do the very 
top tier thing, which is often better than your opponent opponent choosing a middling option, you know, so it balances itself out really, really well. And as the game goes on, it's very easy for other players to catch up. You know, there isn't like a real runaway leader issue. And um, it feels really fun to play because you you, you place things on your uh, on your player board and they combo off of each other so well, you know. I remember the first turn I took in Castle Burgundy, the very first time I played, I was like, oh, I'm going to place this building. And this allows me to take a free action and I'm going to use that free action to grab this building. And I'm going to put another dice here to place the building. And that means that I get to do... And I thought... This is turn one. This is such a cool game, you know? Yeah, it feels like there's not... You you roll one dice and take one action on your turn, but it it always, like you say, cascades and you get more and more momentum. You might also have some of the the silver in the game that you can use to buy an extra tile. Just these little extra little bits, you're always trying to push it that extra bit further. It It does that really well of kind of rewarding you for trying to take a few extra turns or eke a little bit more out of the game than you would initially expect to be able to do on your turn it's really it's really clever why did you have it down as the first one i don't know because it's not the game we've played the most together i don't think it's certainly not the game we've invested the most amount of time in together i've got some others on this list that would would be (laughs) better contenders for that but i think maybe it's because it's a similar situation with you where i haven't really i played it before playing with you actually four players uh, a, a local gaming group and I didn't really enjoy it as much. You know, it's only when I played it two players of you that I realized, ooh, that is the sweet spot for castles here. So it kind of feels like it's the game at its best, right? It feels like it's maximizing its potential. Mm. And I feel like if I were to play Castles and Burgundy with more players, which, I, you know, I've done before, like I said, and since playing with you, I, it, it, it wouldn't shine quite as brightly. So... Mm. Yeah, and I, I wondered to some extent whether playing just with one other person who isn't Norm, maybe it wouldn't be quite right because oh, it's not it's not the same as. Yeah, when I I taught it to someone and I won't say any names, it's not fair to do so, but they didn't take it very well when I took something just because they needed it. Yeah. Whereas I know you wouldn't have taken it well either, but <laughs> but we have that kind of meta understanding that that's how we we play the game. Uh, we mm. can be mean to each other. And that's fine. Yeah, I mean, we we should probably bring up here, because we never get to talk about the Golden Circle, really, in our usual episodes. I feel like the Golden Circle is really important, which is the idea that when you play a game with other people, you're all kind of in in a kind of little safe zone where you can lie to each other, you can make aggressive or passive-aggressive moves to each other, and you're all still friends afterward. You know, the violation of that is games like, you know, Monopoly and the sort of typical cliche sort of family breakdown flipping the table everyone not talking to each other for the rest of the day that's that's bad golden circle right yeah it's it's like a social understanding you know you enter this sort of social agreement where in this game you're going to take actions that might upset the other player but it shouldn't upset them as a person yeah and we've played a lot of games together as this episode is going to allude to. Yeah. And we have a really solid golden circle as a result. Mm -hmm. And that's a part of why I really enjoy Castles of Burgundy with you specifically, because I can get it out, we can set up without checking the rules, you know, and that's rare. (laughs) 
we can get started. We have a meta understanding already built up, a golden circle solidified, and we can just enjoy the experience for what it is without worrying. And I think that's why it's a quintessential Norman Scruffy game. And I'm going to stop using the word quintessential now because I've said it a lot. It's <laughs> a good word. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, the golden circle with us. I think it's very much that our friendship is based on... Uh, on <laughs> it's, it's quite a cool story. I haven't actually got it written down as one of our one of our Norman Scruffy Oh, games, I had it down. <laughs> yeah? Do you want to tell, tell, tell the listeners what I'm talking about here? How we met? How our first sort of interaction yeah. was kind of through, mediated through a board game, wasn't it? Yeah, so the, the Scruffy and I met at a local board game meetup. Uh, they used to meet in the library. Um, shout out to Worlds Away if you're in the Bournemouth, Christchurch or Paul area. And I got there a little bit late. And if I'm honest, I was a bit anxious because I just moved to the area and I tried to go to a meetup in my old area and nobody paid attention to me. I sort of stood alone in the corner for like five minutes and nobody invited me to play a game of them. So I kind of went home and said, I don't want to go to any more meetups because that's not for me. So I, I arrived to this one a little bit anxious and I got there and uh, I said, oh, is anyone free to play a game? And they said, oh, we're all, we're all busy at the moment, but you know, if you stick around, we'll, we'll, you can play the next one. And because I was feeling so anxious and also hungry, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll come back in like five minutes. So I'm, I'm going to go get something to eat. And <laughs> really that was me just sort of stealing myself. Like, I don't want to sit around awkwardly feeling bad because I'll just get more and more anxious. So anyway, I came back. And Scruffy was one of the people that was free. And we played Cosmic Encounter. Yes, we did. And I feel like we should I feel like we should switch to your perspective now, Scruffy. Okay, so I, this is like I, I might even have been one of my first times um meeting up at the gaming group there, and I didn't really know anyone. I was kind of new to the group. And I was having a fun time. It was all good. And uh, this uh, this roguish lad came in, you know, and uh, <laughs> told us he wanted to play some games on his terms. You know, he had to go away first and come back because he was too cool for school, you know. <laughs> and uh, we ended up moving into another room. He came came back and, and joined us. Cosmic Encounter was set up. I think I'd already played one game of Cosmic Encounter with another group. And, uh, and he sat down for a game and we started Cosmic Encounter, which for anyone who doesn't know, is a game about intergalactic backstabbing and betrayals where you have a have well a i think that says a lot about your the way you play this game's coffee because i was gonna say it's a negotiation game <laughs> yeah you could call it a negotiation game. <laughs> it's quite fast-paced quite quite loose and fun you know you can have joint victories you can have one person winning you're trying to get to five points by invading each other and every turn you are forced by the game mechanics to invade a player at random and yeah, and but you can negotiate. You you can kind of make deals, and not fight in the game. And uh, the game we the game we sat down to play was going really well. It was really fun and lively. And it came right down to the end where it was my turn, and I <laughs> I was forced to invade Norm. And we had this whole sort of back and forth conversation. Well, for even further context, both Scruffy and I were one point away from winning the game. Yeah, a joint victory was possible. And like I say, we just met, didn't know this guy. And I said to him, it's easy. We can both win this. Let's lord it over these, these other players. We're going to both win this. We'll both negotiate and we'll both win. So you play a card in secret, which determines your attack value. You, you know, you can play a card in secret that determines your attack value, or you can play 
negotiate card. And if you both turn over a negotiate card, then you both get the point. It's simple. So I play my negotiate card thinking I've just met this really cool person and we're going to win a game of Cosmic Encounter together. Nice. And I'm look, looks at across from, from Norm, 100% certain he's lying to me and he's played an attack card. So, of course, I play the massive attack card I've saved till the end of the game. Because <laughs> why wouldn't I? You know, ruthless. I, I knew I knew he was lying to me. I knew he was also going to attack. It was a gentleman's lie, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, inevitably, of course, we both flip our cards. And I, I swear, Norm... He just stood up from the table, head in hands. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was one of those moments where, like, everyone in the room just can't believe what had happened. <laughs> and it sounds so obvious now, you yeah, know, of course. looking back. But in the moment, like, the conversation we had had, the trust we had built. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it was a real moment where it was like, I can't believe that just happened. But it was such a, an exciting moment as well, yeah. wasn't it? And what was what was lovely about it, I think, and what made it so special for me, was that there weren't any bad feelings there. There wasn't hurt feelings. It was like, I get it. It was part of the game. It was part of the fun. I can't believe you were lying. I totally trusted you. And and for me, the other thing of I thought you were I thought you were bluffing. Ah, <laughs> you know, it was a nice. It was a really nice moment of camaraderie, and it was just awesome. And uh, that's how I got my reputation as someone you can't trust in board games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally every game we play with any amount of negotiation or social element. I mean, it's my catchphrase when we play any game of social production. <laughs> Scruffy's a traitor. Uh, Norm, there isn't a traitor in this game. <laughs> He's sat opposite me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's good fun. Yeah, um, and we've been yeah we've been playing games ever since. That was a really really nice, really really nice day, and 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 that was it. Just in that one moment, that golden circle for us was solidified, wasn't it? You know, like now everything is fair game in games, you yeah. know. And uh, it was really nice because afterwards we just we went off and we hung out for a bit. We I think we went and had some chips or something. You know, it was nice. Yeah. It was a good day. It was a really 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 good day, and I think um, I didn't have I had it down on the list, but. It's not one that I would consider, like, that's not one we play often together. Oh, it? no, no, no. I think it's one that especially, it's not a virtue of a two-player game. You need, you need like, I think about four or maybe five players for it. It's one where the bigger player count is better in it because you can have more upsets, you can have more intrigue. It's not super popular in our group either. No, which is unfortunate because it was my favourite game for, for a very long time when I first got into the hobby. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that play session blew me away, and yeah, we've been we've been friends ever since. Me. What? Okay, I have a few to get through here. Yeah. So let's uh, let's move on to some more two player ones that we uh, play. Just me and you. Okay, I got one. Okay, War of the Ring. Yeah, that's literally next one on my list as well. <laughs> <laughs> War of the Ring. Why, in your mind, is it is it one that we that f- f- for us? Why is it a scruffy and norm game? Well, I've only played it with you, and <laughs> more than that. So, War of the Ring, for anyone who doesn't know, is a massive epic game uh, of Lord of the Rings. One of you takes the bad guys, the orcs, and the uh, you play as Sau- Sauron and Urukai and the yeah, you play yeah. Saruman and all, all the horrible, all the nasty people in the board. And the other one takes on the Fellowship, the good guys, all the all the, the they called the free folk. I don't, I don't. Yeah, know the free people, people and free there's people. a fr- there's free 
there's a um, player who controls the free people, and there's a shadow player. It's called. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but the essentially the game is a territory control game, sort of a la Risk, but better with actually good <laughs> <laughs> mechanics, uh, as well as another little game of trying to get the good guys are trying to get the ring to the Mount Doom, and the bad guys are trying to prevent that from happening. And so there's two kind of victory conditions for the good guys, one victory condition for the bad guys. Oh, there's actually two victory conditions for the bad guys as well. They could corrupt the ring bearer. Oh, of course, yeah. But yeah, it's a game that I've only played with Norm. And more importantly, I don't think I'm ever going to top that experience because was it the first time we played it? I think we, it was the second time. Okay. So second time we played it, we watched the entire trilogy while we played Oh, oh yeah, sorry. This was the first time we played. Okay. But the, this, the speci- I thought you were going to talk about the specific ending to the second game we played. No, yeah. no. I just, I'm, I'm just talking about our first experience of it because we played, we played a multiple games on our first session. No, this is it. Yeah. So we played the first game and it ended quite quickly. Mm-hmm. We played the second game, which had that absolutely epic ending, which I'll talk about in a moment. Um, and whilst we did it, we watched the entire trilogy of <laughs> Lord of the Rings, yeah. and I just can't believe that. We didn't have anything like better to do all day. We just sat all day watching. It was a fantastic day. We just (laughs) burnt the entire day. (laughs) It was awesome. It was awesome. And I would highly recommend it to anyone who's interested in Lord of the Rings or in deep strategy games to to try it out. And if you if you are going to play it with someone, commit to spending the whole day playing it and white Lord of the Rings on in the background. It's oh, can't be beat. Uh, but tell tell the tell the listeners about how our second game ended, Norm, because it's it's quite a tame. Sure, the second game ended in victory for the free people, so that's scruffy. So we always play the same sides as well. Yeah, I'm always the shadow player. I have no interest in playing the good guys because uh, what's interesting about War of the Ring is they're asymmetric, and the first thing uh, that you'll think is okay, well, I want to play both sides then. But actually, what's really interesting is once you play them, you go ah. I want to try this differently next time. Yeah. And I'm always kind of intrigued of, can I do it? And the last game we played uh, was one that I actually won quite well. And I'm really interested to know what's Scruffy going to do differently to prevent yeah. that from happening. See, yeah, I won, I won our first games, didn't I? And then you, yes. you pulled out a new strategy for the latest game. And so it's now like, what, what do I do differently to combat that next time? What's going to happen now? What's going to happen next? Yeah, yeah. You get this kind of meta, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And the second game we played ended in victory for Scruffy, but like the narrowest. <laughs> and it was so cinematic the way it happened. Yeah. So Scruffy had got to the point where the ring bearers had made it to the foot of Mount Doom in Moria. Now, the way this this is this works is Scruffy has to spend... So you, you roll dice, which again give you what actions you can do. So similar to Castles of Burgundy in that regards. Oh yeah, they have a very similar sort of action selection mechanic, our two core games. Maybe that kind of feeds on why we see those yeah. as... Weird, isn't it? I hadn't, hadn't even made that connection until right now. And I, I was, I think, two victory points away from winning the game. And Scruffy had his ring bearers at the foot of Mount Doom. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to win this game because we're about to re-roll. Unless Scruffy gets like five movement points and moves them all the way up the to the mountain to dump the ring in this one round, it's all over. 
and you wrote exactly what you needed to do exactly that. <laughs> so now it became a really interesting a really interesting thing of okay, Scruffy's gonna keep moving these ring bearers up the mountain every turn. Yeah, turn by turn, every turn, one step at a time. I'm just getting one step closer. And whilst that's happening, that really small action, on my turn, the story's gonna zoom out, like actually in Return of the King, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna then cut to a battle because the way you get victory points in the game is by securing strongholds and it became can i win enough battles or scruffy's one little ring bearer gonna make it all the way to the top of mount doom what's gonna happen first and it was so cinematic that these huge battles were taking place and Mm -hmm. it was like okay scruffy now it's your turn okay we take another step Back to you, Norm. Okay, now I'm going to move into Helm's Deep, and yeah, we're yeah. going to have a huge battle. Back to you, Scruffy. Another step. <laughs> <laughs> it was just this like timer of who's going to get there first, and and Scruffy got there and got the victory. And I didn't even care. I was just so blown away by the story that had unfolded on our table. Yeah, because you had multiple armies going into the same stronghold, didn't you? Yes. And so one of your turns would be, I'm going to attack with this army. And I'd defend it. And then you'd attack with this army. And I'd just defend it. And that was it. Just all I needed to get the last guy. Slam dunk. Last step. It was was a really wonderful, uh, wonderful experience. It was so thematic. It was also like you'd moved a whole army into one other space and you were like, oh, afterwards you were like, oh, I wish I hadn't moved them down there and overcommitted down there. You know, there were so many sort of moments that came out of it, little stories of, oh, I wish if I'd done this differently and if I'd done this differently. And then you proved that, yeah, if you'd done it differently, the bad guys would win. (laughs) (laughs) It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty perfect um, Mm. in terms of, you know, what you want to get out of that game or what that game's trying to achieve in a, in a, you know, close battle with a, thematic and cinematic ending it was it was great and you know picture the fact that you know whilst this was going on we were you know eating junk takeaway food and watching lord of the rings it was it was great it was really special for sure for sure good one norm good one yes (laughs) i'm not sure where to go next should i talk about a little one that just because it's the next one on my list go ahead this is another game i see as quintessentially (laughs) it's <laughs> the word of the day it's quintessentially norman scruffies um and that is the mind yes i didn't write this down and the reason i didn't is because i don't think you actually like it anymore <laughs> am i right in saying that i think it's all right i think it's a fine game yeah for sure. okay okay well i didn't know i thought you were done with the game but yes this this particularly i think yeah we went through a phase of playing this a lot yeah, so this is going from epic grand strategy now right the way down to a small little party game, which can be played two players and works pretty damn well two players. So so why have I chosen it for a Norman Scruffy game? Well, we we did really well at it together, didn't we? We had a lot of fun playing it, and I think, am I right in saying that you haven't won it with anyone but me before? Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. And then the same is said in reverse, right? Yes, and I haven't won it with anyone else but you before. So it's the only game, it's the only time I've won it is with Norm. And yeah, yeah. And you know what was really weird about that session is it was really easy. <laughs> yeah, like we, we spent a bit of a while trying to grind it out. And then just one one day, I think we just like pulled it out just while we were waiting for someone to turn up and just did it. Yeah, we were, we were waiting for Kendall to arrive. We were in a cafe and we were waiting for Kendall to arrive. And I said, do you want a quick game of the mind? Yeah. And... We completed the game with like three lives left. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. 
but the, uh, the the memory that really sticks out to me with the mind is we demoed it at a convention at Beachhead, right? No, it was the Coastal Comic Con. Oh, of course it was. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so Coastal Comic Con, we, we were sort of sat on a table for the Entoyment crowd, uh, representing the Entoyment crowd in pool. What's awesome. Entoyment, Scruffy? It's a board, lo, lo, our friendly local board game shop. <laughs> I want to say friendly neighborhood board game shop. <laughs> Yeah, it's our FLGS, right? Yeah. It's our friendly local game store. We sometimes volunteer at, at local conventions, so we uh, you can look it up. We also volunteer to teach board games at Beachhead, and we volunteer to teach board games at the Coastal Comic Con as well. Yeah. And the, the smash hit of that convention was The Mind, for sure. <laughs> for sure. It was like the whole, there was tables set up with loads of different games on, and it was the, the crowds just came over and played the mind with me and you didn't know. Like we, we were like, would you like to try Flamourouche? No? Okay, the mind. Uh, and there was just one particular thing that really stood out for me, which is there was a kid there who spent basically the entire convention just sat playing the mind, watching us play the mind with people. And it felt like for that kid, it would it was the sort of moment where board games became fun and exciting for them. Like, it, it was a really nice, happy moment for me, and uh, I remember that day really vividly. Yeah, it was it was probably a, a, a bad day for employment because they didn't have it in stock. So the amount of people they had to disappoint. <laughs> Can we buy this game? Uh, I was like, yeah, on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was um, it was a really really fun day, and uh, I think yeah that and the fact that we want it together and the thing is as well the mind the way the mind works and if you haven't played is you basically have a hand of cards which is hidden information and without communicating you have to play those cards in order the deck always goes from number one to 100 level one you play with one card level two you play with two cards each level three etc so it's the simplest game in the world to teach but it's very difficult to win and one thing i really like about about playing it with you, Scruffy, is it's quite a divisive game. Yeah. Some people, in fact, say it's not a game, and they're not correct. <laughs> of course. It's demonstrably a game, obviously, because you don't like it or think there's enough there to be entertaining for you. doesn't change the definition of what a game is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, some people feel really strongly about that. But when I taught you how to play you got it immediately. You're like, yes, this is so exciting. I love what this game is doing. I love the innovation. Yeah, and that's really nice. It's really nice. To, and to play and I, I thought the place I thought you were going to go with that is um, when when we play it together, we genuinely don't communicate. Yeah, some people have some people have fun sort of non-verbally communicating, and if if that's what you enjoy when you play the mind, go for it. But for me and Norm, it's silence. You know, it's poker faces, and it's just trying to live in that little ether of i don't even know what you'd call it just sort of the the quiet moments between the game the negative space yeah that's the word the negative space and and i think it takes quite something to be comfortable enough with someone to to have that space exist for a prolonged prolonged period of time it's something that you don't usually encounter in social interactions so i feel like that's really exciting I think that's why the mind is so interesting as a design as well, mm. is because um, so many board games, you, what's interesting about them is the things you are doing, right? The yeah. the the the, act, the positive space, where the, when the players are engaging with the game. The mind is at its best when you're not doing 
anything. <laughs> yeah, and, and the reason that works is because it, it creates tension and it, it forces you to kind of bottle everything up that you want to say. And then after the round, it all spills out. And that's a continuation of the game, even though it's not a formally mechanically designed bit of the game, that the fun then is going, I didn't know you had a, oh, I had a, oh, you know. And it's impossible not to do that if you play the game right, I think. If you're not yeah. you know, communicating at all, which is like the best way to play. Do you remember the very first level we played together? No, I don't. All right, the very first level Scruffy and I played together, I had... The, the card 100 so obviously i know for a fact that scruffy scruffy's card is lower than mine and scruffy had 98 and i was setting up the game i was like yeah so the first level is like really easy because it's just one card each and blah 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 and scruffy had the card 98 and we were just staring at each other yeah and i was like, like I like put the card down. I was like, I got off my seat, like <laughs> walked away from the table. Um, and Scrappy was just sat there, like I'm not, thinking, you know, obviously not no communicating at all. But I, I'd imagine you were thinking, there's no way I'm going to play a 98 as the first card. Yeah, I was like, oh, Norm's got a high card, right? Obviously, he's made that clear with this non-verbal communication, which you know we 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 try and avoid as much as we can. But in that moment, it made sense. Like it's our first ever game playing, and he drew a hundred. <laughs> like what do you what do you do? You know, the rules are there to be kind of bent a little bit in the mind, and. I just I couldn't bring myself to put a ninety eight down on the on on the table as my first ever card played in the mind, <laughs> but I did in the end, and I was certain we'd lost a life. I was like, he's going to have a ninety seven. He's going to have a ninety seven or something like that, and he's going to be thinking the exact same thing as me. He's just being overly dramatic right now. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it was like, welcome to the mind, Scruffy. This is this is what the game forces you to do. It forces you to make these like horrible, horrible choices where you just. Yeah don't know what's going to happen and that's just delicious i think indeed i'm glad i brought it up today yes same okay here's one that's a bit left of field okay i've got 1889 yay that's the next one on my list wow <laughs> well obviously for me any 18xx game that's a, a game i'll probably be ending up playing with you right but 89 specifically especially 89 we played it so much, didn't we? It works really well with two players, 1889, without adjusting or house-ruling anything. You just play the normal game, and it works really well. It's much more zero-sum, mm -hmm. which can often make it feel a little bit more vicious. And some people will say you lose something in 18xx because the, what makes it interesting is the shared incentives. I don't personally find that the most interesting thing. I think the separation between player pieces and you as a player is what makes 18xx very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And playing two players still keeps that element. And I think what, what you gain is going back to our golden circle and how comfortable we are, we are with each other. We have pulled off. like We have really, really, really aimed to hurt each other in 1889 yeah. in ways that in even the most brutal war games wouldn't be able to replicate. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. It's one of the most highly intense conflicts, I would say. And, you know, you're right, it does become, it does kind of morph into a different sort of game when you play it two-player. Instead of it being this kind of game where you're, where you're watching a lot of different moving parts, it is 
you know, you're, you're honed in on sort of almost like you said, a war game, a battleground between opposing factions. Yeah. I will not do anything that makes Scruffy more money than, than me. Yeah. And it's there's 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 interesting forcing lines there with when when you buy shares, etc. Yeah. And uh, the reason yeah, the reason eighteen eighty nine is because you can play it very quickly. Yeah. It's it's you know widely regarded as a good intro game. Uh, and and maybe even one that, that some maintenance XX players grow out of. But for for me and you, that game is one that I really, really enjoy playing two player. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's it's great. Yeah, we played it in uh, in a local cafe, in a Waterstones cafe <laughs> in Bournemouth, and we had so many people coming up to us, being like, "Oh, what's this then?" <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I, I guess it really drew a lot of attention, didn't it? That one, which was nice. Yeah, I mean, it looks great, doesn't it? It's yeah. uh, you know, with all the poker chips on the table. I have to say, it is one of the most colourful games for sure, especially in the eighteen XX series. I don't know if it's just the companies or whatever, but they they light up my my brain in a way that a lot of 18xx games sort of struggle to do. So I don't know how it does that, but well done, 1889. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. I mean, I love train games, and I got a lot of love for train games, and 1889 isn't even in my... So I did my top, I did my top five 18xx on the Derailed podcast um, yeah. last year, and it didn't make my top five. But it's probably the one that I've played the most two-player with you, and it's kind of nostalgic and the one that I would have play any time with you, Scruffy. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know what an 18xx game is, they're very, very intense, high-strategy train games where you're managing companies and manipulating stocks and shares to try and beat your opponent. It's a whole thing. It's a whole... They're financial war games. Yeah, financial war games. They're, they're a big, big old can of worms <laughs> yeah yeah it is is a whole niche unto itself it's not very there aren't very many solo 18xx and the ones that are solo i'm not particularly interested in trying solo because i enjoy the interaction of so much but yeah it's a it's a whole can of worms but one thing i will say is it's not as intimidating as it looks they're actually super easy to learn and mechanically very simple games for sure, for sure. I would say it's probably a good idea to try and play with somebody. This is the really hard thing with them, isn't it? Like, I was really lucky that you introduced me to 1886 games when you yourself were quite new to them. Yeah. So it felt like we had, we were on a kind of almost a level playing field there, yeah, you sure. know? Whereas for most people, you have to learn from somebody who's far more experienced at the game with you. So they're going to trounce you. Of course they are. You know, they're going to rush your trains and you're going to go bankrupt. <laughs> well, it depends, doesn't it? It depends on, like, I've taught. I've been the only experienced player at a table of of new new people, and when they don't know the kind of strategies, that they'll do things that are unpredictable and wild to me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Why are you doing this? And then and then you know if they were playing with other experienced players, they'd be last. But then someone else would do something that I don't expect, and that unexpected move will work. And I'm like. Now, that only works in this context. You, that's, that was a, a silly move. Like, well, I'm winning the game. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand what's happening right now. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it all depends on the context. And I think it's um, it's a wonderful genre. It's a really, really wonderful genre. They're my favorite games. Still. Yeah. And one of the most replayable experiences you can have because they're different every time. 100%. Yeah. I, I will eventually get that playthrough of us as the derail guys up on 
our channel. I just want to I want to make it as good as it can be, and I've had a lot of editing on this year. That's fair enough. Awesome. So I'm going to move to somewhere a little bit strange and different now, and I imagine this is a game you don't have on your list, Norm, because it's not really a board game, and that game is Ring of Fire. That is, you know what, Scruffy? That is such a good shout. I would never even thought to bring it up. Yeah. For those, of, those people who aren't in the UK, what is Ring of Fire? Well, Ring of Fire is a drinking game where you, on everyone's turn, you, you draw a card and do something drink drunky, drunken related, right? And I started out playing it when I was a teenager and we called it Kings back then. And the way I played it, Back then was barely any rules on the cards, but a lot of cards that added rules to cards. So you maybe if you drew a, a king, uh, not a king, but <laughs> maybe if you drew a, a jack, it would say, make up a rule for another number card in the game. And every time that card's drawn, that rule will happen. And I thought that was like the pinnacle for the way this game could be played. Uh, I played it then later at university, and that was the first time I heard it called Ring of Fire, but I remember their rules being really, really rubbish and boring. I can't remember them specifically, but they weren't they weren't fun games. And I was like, Kings is the way you play it. That's the only way to play it. And then I met Norm. <laughs> and that was the first time that I, I actually saw it played with an actual ring of cards around a glass in the center of the table. And there's a special reward if you break the ring, then... You down the rest of your drink. And it was the first time I played where each of the cards had a specific rule. And I was skeptical about it at first because of my experiences at university. But, oh my God, it was such a better experience. Norm really made it. Like, there's, he came up with a rhyme for all of the cards. Or well, I, I can't take credit for that. That is, that is how I learned the game, right? right? So university students up and down the country will probably know these things as well. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, yeah, it's a really fun drinking game. I do not, and I always play one does not condone drinking games. <laughs> you shouldn't, you know, be responsible. Excessively about- drinking alcohol is not cool, kids, but it's a fun game when you play it with Norm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't binge drink, you know, drink responsibly, all of those things that we have to say as grown ups. But it's it's a fun game to play at parties and our student days are long, long, long behind us. But it's still fun, you know, on someone's birthday to whip out yeah. a deck of cards and play a game of Ring of Fire and get the parties get the party started. And that probably says a little bit more about us than it does about anyone else. But yeah, that is a game that I really enjoy teaching, first of all, because of the rhymes on the cards. People go, oh, there's too many rules. But because of all the rhymes and the repetition, everyone ends up shouting them. Everyone ends up going... Oh, two is you. You drink. You drink. Two's you. You have to drink. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. You know, three is me. I drink. Right. Okay. You know, eight is mate. Pick a mate. They have to drink when you drink. <laughs> yeah, the, the great thing is that you learn each of the cards as they come up, and each one's new and exciting as well, which is really nice in that sense. Uh, but, I, you know, it's important to say when you play games like this, that you have to do this thing. The worst is when people take it too literally and yeah. try and force people to do it. Like, oh, it's you. You have to drink. If you don't, then oh, it's, it's just a game, guys. Like yeah. those ones, those ones especially. I think you have to have the right, the right mentality, the right group around yeah. people who are who are who are chill and happy to just let things be. You know. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, oh, you know, three three is me, so that means you have to drink because you drew the card. No, I don't want to. Okay, fine. Next next player takes their turn. No problem. Exactly. That's not a problem. Um, but yeah, that, that's definitely not a board game. <laughs> Certainly not a hobby board game anyway. <laughs> I just thought I'd bring it up because it's something that I, I think of as uh, something something special you introduced into my life and, and made really fun <laughs> for me. You know, I thought I was dead set in my ways with kings, but Ring of Fire a la Norm. That's the way to play. And that's how I'd, <laughs> how I'd always teach you now. Well, there you go. That's at least I know I've brought some joy uh, to your life. Um, <laughs> if nothing else, there's always ring of fire. <laughs> okay, should we have a quick fire round? Yeah, let's have a quick fire round because I'm thinking how much time do we really want to spend on all of these? Yeah, because they're good games. Just have a blanket sort of statement for these games, like honourable mentions. These are games that we like to play together. They're great. They're all right. You know, check them out. But they're not games we always always play together. Yeah. Like the other ones we've mentioned. Except yeah. for Ring of Fire, we don't always play that. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you go, give me a statement, and then I'll go and give you a statement. All right, then. I'll say Orléon and red wine. Yes, Orléon. Yeah. First time we played it, had a had a big bottle of red wine together. It was like, it felt exactly quintessentially how you should play that game. And again, not, don't drinking's not cool, kids. But... It was fun. Okay. Dominant species. Okay. And being at a cafe. Now, this is one I also associate with Kendall, but one that I associate with both of you. Yeah. Because yeah. you're the only people I play that game with. It's a wonderful game. I love playing it. Looking forward to playing it more. And yeah, Dominant Species is fantastic. Undaunted, Normandy. This nearly made my list as well. Yeah, so that's one I've only played with you. Uh, we haven't played it enough. We should play it some more. It's a good game. Undaunted. Really, really good game, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, really very good, actually. Okay, Through the Ages. Nice one. Through the Ages, we played it two-player only once. Uh, again, one that I also associate with Kendall quite a lot. But you're the only person I have played it two-player with. And therefore, in my mind, it's a bit of a Norman Scruffy game. And these are all great games you should check out, by the way, guys. Uh, great Western Trail. Oh, that wasn't on my list. Yeah, Great Western Trail is one we played together loads. And the funny thing about that is we always have the exact same strategy, both of us, every time we play. You go for cows, I go for trains. That's it, which is, <laughs> you thought Norm would go for trains, but that seems to be how it always plays out every time we play. Next time. Next time. Yeah. I'm going for cows again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, food Chain Magnate. That's next on my list. That's next on your list as well. Yeah, Food Chain Magnate is an incredible game. Like, it's really, really, really good. Yes. If you like mean games. Yes, it's brutal. And it's, you know, not going to forgive you. If you make a mistake, even at setup, and you can make mistakes at setup, you will have a, you will lose the game. But yes, first time, first time we played it together, I majorly cheated. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's one thing that did happen yeah but i just kept chaining the what were they called the managers managers i just chained as many managers as i could possibly get my hands on to i i i was so sort of wrapped up in what was going on in my own tableau that at the end of the game i went oh yeah gg scruffy and then looked over at his tableau and went what's that <laughs> <laughs> 
And I said, well, yeah, it seemed like a really good strategy. Like, I just kept chaining them and chaining them, and I had infinite people. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> okay, what's next on yours? Scythe. Scythe is on my list Scythe. as well. Of course. it's uh, This is a game that our gaming group, especially me, Norman Kendall, but, you know, even beyond that, um, it's, it's just our, it's our go-to game that we all really get on with and really enjoy. Love Scythe. It's great fun. It feels like the most meditative experience for me when playing a multiplayer game. It's real, really nice, like, multiplayer solitaire vibes in some ways. Yeah, we got to a point where me, you, and Kendall could just sit down, put out the board, quietly put our pieces on, run through the game, like lightning fast. I remember we introduced yeah. a fourth player into at Normcon. At Normcon, mm-hmm. we played a three-player game of Scythe, um, and we were setting up for a three-player game, and somebody asked to join. And <laughs> we play so fast, the three of us, because we're so used to playing together, that <laughs> the player would take their turn, and they go, "Right, I've done my turn." And I'm like, "It's your turn again." And they were like, I just took my turn. We're like, yes, we know. <laughs> <laughs> Our turns were pre-programmed and lined up, ready to go. <laughs> and that might not sound like it's something you enjoy, but there's something really lovely about playing the same game over and over and over again, getting familiar and allowing yourself to sort of relax into the nuances and explore, you know, what there is, try new things out and uh, be able to do so with these and know where the differences are, what the strategies are, what's good, what's not good. Uh, I'm not saying we're experts, but we certainly built up a lot of meta understanding in our game, and it was uh, it was really fun. It's like clockwork, isn't it? And then when you see someone do something a little bit special, you go, oh, oh, that was nice. Yeah, okay. It kind of it shines a little bit brighter in the in the normal sort of rhythm of the game, you know? It's really For exciting. Sure. For somebody sure. does an unexpected attack or something and you just go, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we played a lot, a lot of Scythe. The next one on my list was Shadowrun, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, good one. Not a board game, an RPG, but Scruff and I were in a very long Shadowrun campaign together. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, multiple Shadowrun campaigns and multiple GMs. But, you know, one of my favorite memories of tabletop gaming ever is Shadowrun. In fact... Um, in fact, probably oversharing here, but you, you listeners know that, you know, like I said, at the start of the episode, I've had struggles with my mental health and some of the exercises I had to do for like, you know, coping with anxiety was like visualization tasks. And my therapist asked me to find a place where I'm happy and comfortable and relaxed, your happy place. And immediately the, the first thing I thought of was being in a game store playing Shadowrun with Scruffy and Kendall because... Those were some of my favourite gaming memories ever, for sure. But what are you going to do about this? <laughs> oh, can you can you can you share that story? Yeah. So the the, the highlight for that for me was uh, just this lovely little moment where Norm had acquired an alligator, Casey the alligator. Casey the alligator. He was playing a troll, a sort of nerdy teenage troll, very impulsive character, lanky tech guy, um, who was just oh, really awesome to to kind Bleach. of riff off and have around. His name was Bleach, and he was. We were trying to distract some security officer or something, so he just pulls out the alligator and starts waving it in his face. Anyway, we, the whole table was just breaking down in in tears, laughing, and the, the poor GM, I think Kendall said 
Norm asked, should I roll for that? And said, what are you trying to do? <laughs> yeah. I, I reached into my jacket because the alligator was in my jacket. And I pulled it out, put it, put it in the GM's face. I went, what about this? Kendall <laughs> just looks back at me blankly. And I went, should I roll for that? Kendall went, what are you trying to do? Yeah. And we're all just like, oh, Kendall had like lost the table because we're all in bits, like rolling, falling off our chairs, laughing, yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, oh wow. that was really fun. Really fun. That's very good. Very good indeed. Next up, I wrote down Heaven and Ale. Uh, that was a that's a fun game we played together a few times. Not much more to say about that other than it's, it's all right. It's pretty fun. Um, I always win at it, so I like it. I got one that I know you are not a big fan of, but I really like, and you humour me with this one. Mm-hmm. It's Power Grid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Power Grid. Scruffy doesn't, but Scruffy plays it because he's in love with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, next one I've written down is Gloomhaven. Yeah, not on my list because we don't play it anymore. No, we stopped playing, but we did play it. We had a group of us and we had a lot of fun with it. Uh, we actually played it one time, just the two of us as well, which I thought was really enjoyable. Uh, Norm was playing the mage character yeah the spell weaver the spell weaver uh, i think his name was sparks in it or something her Spark. name her name michelle michelle yep. was her name michelle sparks something barkley michelle sparks barkley I, I i called her barkley as a surname because it was when chelsea just signed ross barkley <laughs> and i said i'll always know the day we started our gloomhaven campaign because i can just google what day did chelsea sign ross barkley <laughs> genius uh, and i was playing the Cragheart, called Glaxar the Destroyer, who became Glaxar the Friendly. And we played as two-player in this one little dungeon. And Norm just burst through the door, going 100 miles an hour. And the Spellweaver is kind of notoriously a a quick, fast-paced character that burns out, shines brightly and burns out quickly. And the the Cragheart is the opposite. And so Norm just burst in, wiped out an entire room full of enemies, and then basically passed out (laughs) and left me to plod through the rest of the dungeon. You're (laughs) welcome. (laughs) (laughs) It was amazing. Like, I'd never seen, I I don't think the game's designed to account for someone to play quite that recklessly with that character. But he did, and uh, and I ended up cleaning up in the end. We did win in the end. But it was a a long old slog of almost a solo game of Gloomhaven. Can we can we switch to games we're excited to play together when we get back to face-to-face gaming, Scruffy? Certainly, certainly. Uh, there is just one more game I want to mention. Go ahead. Uh, that is a game that me and you have played together. And the reason I've saved it till last is because... Well, you'll see. So that is Star Trek Adventures, the RPG. Nice. This is a game that Norm GM'd for me and a couple of other friends. And... It was probably the one of the, it's one of the most immersed I've ever been in a RP. Certainly the best GM experience I've had in a game. Well, maybe Blades. I don't know. Norm's an amazing GM is what I'm getting at. And the reason I've saved this till last is because for anyone who wants a insight into how to be awesome at GMing, well tonight, a day of release, we have a live stream 
of Norm GMing a game of Iron Swan for me and Kendall. So if you're if you're catching this episode, check us out later on this evening. It will be 8 p.m. BST, British Summer Time, and we'll be playing. If uh, if you're catching this episode after the live stream, it'll still be up on my Twitch. If you're catching it way in the future, check out my YouTube. You'll find it there. And uh, I can already tell you now, having not played it, that it's going to be an amazing experience for me and for Kendall and for any of you guys watching because Norm's GMing is wonderful. I'm always blessed with a good group. Um, and although you show me these compliments, Scruffy, the one quality any good GM should have that I don't is commitment to keep coming back and doing it week in, week out. <laughs> I sort of GM in short bursts of inspiration and then crash and burn. You're the spell weaver of GMing. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Just call me Michelle Sparks Barkley. I will. So let's shift our focus now to games we're excited to play together. So obviously the podcast has meant that we've explored games solo a lot this last year, Yeah, which means we haven't been playing together. Yeah, well, I mean, obvious reasons, global pandemics and all that have stopped us being able to get out. But hopefully there'll be a, a, a shining time in the near future, shall we say, let's hope, where we can finally get back to, to playing together and what are, what are our top picks going to be that we're going to end up dragging out of the closet? Can I can I start? Of course, yeah, I'm sure you've got a few more written down, so you feel free to take the mic, Norm. I've got two co-op games that I want to mention, first of all, out the gate, that I've discovered because of the podcast and want to play with other people as well as playing solo. First one is Marvel Champions, because we've played it only once together on the live stream, I believe. Mm -hmm. And we sucked at playing it together. Uh, We had different play styles, we weren't really communicating with each other. And I feel like if we were face-to-face, after the pandemic, getting to a point where we're playing Marvel Champions really well together, and those cooperative elements that we enjoy, multi-handing solo, will really come to life when we're playing together. That's what I'm hoping to get to. And also, it's kind of a dream that I, I I said this to you. I was like, imagine a world, Scruffy, where everything is open and the world is safe again. And we drive to our friendly local game store. We pick up the latest pack, hero pack of Marvel Champions. We take it out of the plastic and we just slam it down on the table and play it face to face together. What a wild and amazing world that would be. Yeah, it's it's bizarre to even think about it, isn't it? I feel like we've really gotten used to the kind of new way things are. And it's uh, it, it, talking about all this now, it's it's really making me realise how much, you know, we've, we've missed all these lovely experiences and stuff this year that we haven't been able to, to share together. I was just really lucky that we've started this podcast up and had the ability to talk about games, at least, even if we can't play them together. The one thing I will say about Marvel Champions and us having so much trouble with it is, you know, part of it, I think, was that we were, st- were streaming at the, at the time of doing it. You know, we were we were Twitch streaming. So it very much meant that one of us was focusing on taking our turns while the other one was, you know, streaming live to an audience and chatting to you guys. It made it very difficult to communicate in between that to each other, didn't it? You know, it's a, it's a, it's very different playing a board game, even with your friend and trying to hold a conversation and kind of host a, a stream at the same time. You know, I think uh, it's easy to to not see that when you're not doing it. But 
streaming does take a lot of your attention away from the game, doesn't it? So, And it's even different still when what you're streaming is a digital implementation of a game that is designed to be played sat in front of you. Yeah. And uh, I've played Marvel Champions only, apart from on that stream, well, in the real world, you know. The other co-op I really want to play with you is Aeon's End. Nice. Specifically because I have the new age with the campaign mode. And I'd love to have like maybe a day or a couple of days or maybe a couple of weeks where we just sit down together and just smash through that campaign. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be really awesome. It's a really lovely game and it would be fun to try out multiplayer for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what about yourself, Scruffy? What are you? So, uh, one of the games I'm really very excited about is Imperium Classics. Yes. So this is a game that was very generously gifted to us by Dollawan from our Discord. And I've played it a bunch solo now. I've actually really enjoyed it solo. But I have had a few issues with the bot. I find the bot a bit irksome. And it strips out a lot of mechanics in the game that I was really excited about when I read the rules. So. There are two things. I kind of want to maybe at some point develop my own bot for that game. But but that's uh, before doing that, I think it would be awesome to try out multiplayer and see how those elements play out in an actual game. And then I'd be able to work out better how to catch them with a bot. And I think it's a game that you'd really enjoy. And I I also think it'd be really fun to play uh, more than two player as well. If we could maybe hook Kendall into playing or... Uh, someone else from our from our gaming group and uh, try out the sort of look at the interplay there between multiple players. But I want to say a massive thank you to Dollar One for getting us that game and let you know that already the games I've played of it, I can certainly see a lot of potential in this game and I can't wait to play it more. I can see myself getting a bit lost in it, to be honest. Yeah, thank you, Dollar One. Really looking forward to trying it as well. It's currently at Scruffy's and uh, when they're done with it, we can... Um... Yeah, we can exchange and uh, I'll see what I think as well because I'm also really looking forward to giving it a go. This next one is a little bit of a cheat because it's multiple games. Mm -hmm. But just train games again, right? Right. I mean, I have... I've basically not been buying multiplayer games during the pandemic because they're not going to get played, right? What's the point? They're not going to get played. It needs to have a solo mode or I'm not going to buy it. The exception to that rule for me is train games. Because of the way they're produced, if you don't buy them when they're being printed, they become more difficult to get hold of, they become more expensive, etc., etc., etc. So I've accumulated a, a large pile <laughs> of unplayed train games. I mean, I had a large enough pile of train games anyway, mm-hmm. but at least they were getting played. Now I have a large pile of unplayed train games that includes 18 mechs, 1822, 18 Island, Trans-Siberian Railways, and the Sioux Line. So I have five train games that are completely unplayed. I've played some of them before, I've, you know, other people's copies, but my copies are all unplayed, and some of them unpunched and unstickered. Oh, mm. and 1817 as well uh, is, is another one. I'm thinking of more. Okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of train games that just don't have the opportunity like when am i gonna when do i have the opportunity to sit down with three people to play train games i don't there's there's the pandemic on and specifically looking forward to playing them with you scruffy because you are a wizard when it comes to train games um (laughs) 
just I don't understand how you're so good at them. And I love I love playing with them with you because they're always hyper competitive and hyper nasty. And that's how I like to play them. We should stream one sometime. Yeah. If only we had a playthrough of <laughs> uh, yeah, I will I will get that up. I will. It's um <laughs> yeah, it started. It's just it's a uh, like I think it was a four hour game. So trying to work that down to a, a YouTube video is, is quite something. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. But that's my cheating one. Uh, a bunch of train games I really want to play, and I don't know which one I'd get to the table first. But yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to subject you to train games when we get out of pandemics, Ruffy. I'm no no complaints here whatsoever. I love playing train games with you, and uh, I'd be be well up for playing a, a a nice long game you can luxuriate in. Speaking of which. It'd be great to play War of the Ring again sometime. You know, I'd love to get my revenge for uh, for that last defeat. We actually started playing it on tabletop sim. I don't know if you remember, right at the start oh, of it was uh, awful lockdown experience. It's not as good, is it? <laughs> no, I don't think it's necessarily a problem with the table. It's just it's such a tactile yeah experience. It's such a a visually stunning game to appreciate in real life. Yeah. That Playing it on tabletop sim really, it's just not worth doing at all, to be honest. I mean, I, I personally was able to kind of get past it. I could see that it wasn't working for you. And I think a lot of it is being able to take in the whole map and keep all the information together. It's a lot easier to do when it's there on the table in front of you rather than having to scroll around a screen, right? 1861 and 1867, I thought of, I thought of another one. <laughs> <laughs> cool, what else you got? Uh, what else have I got? that I'm excited to play with you. This is cheating again, but war games in general. So over lockdown, I've gotten more into historical games. Mm -hmm. And I really like solitaire historical games, but there's a whole bunch that are two-player only, for obvious reasons, right? Yeah. And a lot of those ones look really, really good. Really excited to try things like Specifically things like Combat Commander and The Last 100 Yards, I've been looking at as really tight, tactical, bloody two-player games. And those are so up our street, you know? Yeah. We love that kind of, you know, high conflict, back and forth. We're even okay with slightly unbalanced, unfair results. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we really don't mind that sort of thing, to be perfectly honest. We... We like games with the chance for someone to get absolutely trounced. We don't take it personally. We, mm -hmm. yeah. So whenever I think about a sort of, you know, I think of Kendall as well. Like Kendall and I have been playing a lot of Commands and Colors Ancients, two player. I was just about to bring that up. But Kendall doesn't like games that are set in a more modern era, which is understandable. That's their preference. So whenever I think of, these kind of games where there's a two-player minimum, vicious back-and-forth, tactical battle, I think of playing them with you, Scruffy, because I know that is way up our street, and on top of that, it's the game I can't play with anyone else in our game group. I know other people aren't into historical games, and Kendall, who does like historical ancient games, won't play these more sort of modern affairs that, I've, that I'm thinking about now. So, yeah, that's my next one, and I'm cheating because it's a bit of a catch-all, but yeah, war games. Really looking forward to diving into that if you're yeah, up for it that sounds great and uh yeah i mean for, for me command and colors would be a, a really fun one to play that's uh for anyone who doesn't know it's an, another as asymmetric game it's a it's a battle between 
two factions, um, and we've only played it a couple of times, but I've enjoyed every game we've played, so I'd love to play that again sometime. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a terrific system. It's a terrific system. Come on, yeah, the, the great thing about it is the way the decisions are made, that you have a hand of cards, and each card kind of corresponds to a section of the map, and you can activate all the units in that section of the map. It's A section of the map, or a, diff- a particular type of unit, yes. or their position next to like a leader, for example, or... You know, um, so the way in which you have to like plan around what cards you might draw and what you're hoping for, and what you want to achieve based on what your opponent's done and reacting to that is such a nice crunchy decision space for what is essentially a really, really simple game of just yeah. playing a card and then rolling dice. It's very much a system where you're rewarded for getting value from the cards, isn't it? But there yeah. is still a, a lot of random elements in there that you have to be comfortable with to to enjoy. And like you said, Norm, we're both of us very happy when we play to have unfair things happen right <laughs> yeah yeah it's just the way it's the way the cookie crumbles that's it but that that's kind of all of mine do you have any more that you're excited no to... no that was uh, i think we've got plenty to be uh chomping through there when we <laughs> to be honest <laughs> i think just the idea of playing a game in person is such an exciting prospect to me i feel like parched from games at the moment you know <laughs> uh, parched from social social games i guess you could say i mean i've, I've Got to say, this podcast has been a real life raft through the pandemic and playing solo games, learning solo games, diving into the hobby has just been such an exciting experience. And obviously I'm going to continue with it even once because I think it it feels a different sort of itch, doesn't it? It feels a different sort of desire in your in your free time. Yeah, I wouldn't have a podcast about something that I'm only doing because multiplayer games aren't available at the moment. Of course. And we do this podcast because we absolutely love it on its own merit. Mm. But that being said, it's going to be special to to sit down again and uh, lose to you again, Scruffy. <laughs> ah, right. Well, this would normally be the section of the show where we do listener questions, but we're going to skip that for this episode. With the bonus episodes, we'll skip listener questions and we'll do them every other episode. But just to remind everyone what the listener question was from last episode, uh, you can still uh, hop on Discord there. There's a lively discussion going on. The question was, what game have you put off playing forever? How was it when you finally got around to playing it, or is it still unplayed? And the next episode, we'll be discussing One Deck Dungeon. One Deck Dungeon is a game we've been waiting to get back in stock for ages. We had it pre-ordered for ages. Again, a uh, Discord user, a patron, Banana Republic, gifted this one to us. And we're really, really excited to dive into One Deck Dungeon. Uh, Lots to talk about for quite a small game there's a lot that i want to unpack and get get my teeth into so that's really exciting uh, but that's coming up on the next episode so you can expect us to return to normality next episode following that we'll do another bonus one like this and the plan is to get back to re- regular scheduled programming thereafter but we'll see how things go but yeah i hope you guys enjoyed this slightly different episode today where we took the opportunity to talk about some of our top multiplayer games especially ones that we like to play together hope there were a few games there that you've heard of or haven't heard of and are interested to try out or even some that you have heard of and you enjoy too feel free to come come onto our discord and let us know which games appeal to you and once again if you'd like to answer that question there is a special channel in our discord just for answering the listener question and we will read out the responses next episode Yeah, thanks very much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed this little bonus episode and we'll catch you in two weeks for another episode. See you around. Thank you guys for listening. 
Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the show, don't forget to check out our Patreon page. The links to that are in the description. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Always Player One. Until then, reach out on Facebook, Instagram, or by email to keep the conversation going.